Welcome to There Will Be Podcast. My name is Ryan. And my name is Pilar. And this week we'll be discussing Alfonso Cuaron's deeply personal and intensely intimate 2018 film, Roma. All right. So with that, let's jump into the synopsis. Uh, Roma focuses on Cleo, an indigenous live-in maid over the course of several months of her life starting in late 1970 in the Colonia Roma district of Mexico City. During this period of time, Cleo becomes pregnant, experiences an earthquake, learns that the matriarch of her employer family has been abandoned by her husband, and is abandoned herself by the father of her unborn child. Uh, the story kind of crescendos on June 10th, 1971, the day known as El Alconazo. El Alconazo? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, in which over a hundred protesting students were massacred in the city streets. Living through this event forces Cleo into labor, and what ensues thereafter ultimately informs Cleo's understanding of both life and death, and of who she is as a woman. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty intense uh, movie, and so we're probably not going to be as jokey this this go around. Um, but if you have not seen this movie, um, we highly suggest it. It's so good. Um, it is really, like we said, really intense. And so uh, just if you are in a fragile state, just be aware of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a little heavy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, but with that said, uh, we'll go into some of the characters or the characters that are in the story. Um, the first one is going to be uh, Cleo, which is the maid that this movie is... Uh, pretty much following um she's pretty mousy doesn't say much she just does what uh the family asks of her but not in a very it's not like they feel very familial yeah. like they're not like rude to her or anything uh for the most part <laughs> um so she does feel like a part of the family for the most part or an extension um and then we have sophia who is the mother of the family that cleo works for um and then we have her husband, Tonyo, who uh, ultimately abandons her uh, pretty early on in the movie. Um, well, Dr. Antonio. Dr. Antonio. Sorry, he did get his degree. Yes. <laughs> um, and then uh, within the family of Sofia, she has four kids. We have uh, Tonyo, uh, who is her eldest son, we believe. Then we have Paco. Uh, Sophie, who is the only daughter, and then Pepe, who is pretty much, like, the baby. Well, he's not a baby. He's, like, six or seven. Yeah. I, I don't think he goes to school. But... I think he does. Oh, he does get walked to school. Yeah. Yeah, okay. School. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's yeah. He's, he's like... He's very young. He's the youngest of the family, um, who, uh, is seen uh, that Cleo, uh, has the most bonding relationship with um mainly because he's like the baby of the family yeah, yeah um uh so that's pretty much the family but uh alongside working with cleo uh we have adelia who is the other maid uh who works alongside her and then we have fermin who is the suitor uh who impregnates cleo and ultimately also abandons her yes uh uh, yeah, there's a, a couple of very minor characters. There's also uh, Senora Arisa, oh, yeah. who is Sofia's mother, mm -hmm. um, the, the grandmother of the children. Um, she also lives with them as well. Uh, and then uh, you know, we also have like 
We have like very minor characters, yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah. Ramon. <laughs> Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the only other one. Um, all right. So, uh, how did you like this movie? Um, so the first time that I watched it, I think we both heard a lot of hype about this movie. And I think I personally was very excited because, uh, I mean, being of Mexican descent, uh, I, a lot of stories or a lot of films that I watch or that are produced are mainly about like, like Dia de los Muertos and stuff like that. That's like broadcasted to such a big audience that's not just targeted towards like Mexicans. So it was kind of, it, it was extremely nice to have like a story that did not surround that holiday. I mean, as much as we love Dia de los Muertos, it's like, there are other things that <laughs> <laughs> that Mexicans think about. <laughs> you know, they have lives outside of that. Um, so I was very excited uh, to have a new story that was broadcasted to pretty much the world because it was a Netflix original. So mm -hmm. it means anybody really has access to it. But yeah, um, so I really really enjoyed this movie uh like i said it was really heavy so i did go through <laughs> an emotional roller coaster and i definitely went through an emotional roller coaster this go around um but i i just i feel so lifted by it each time i watch it so i definitely feel like it's it's a very impactful movie hmm. How about you? Was this just the second time that we I saw it? I think this is the second okay. time. Yeah. I don't think I could even watch this movie again. Yeah. So the first time we watched it, um, I just remember uh, I posted like some some rating on Facebook and uh, like like a, an initial reaction to it, um, and uh, it just left me feeling so empty, for lack of better words. Okay. Like, like it, it just. I don't know. It, it, it affected me so much uh, in seemingly a negative way. But mm. as uh, uh, over the course of the next couple of days, uh, unlike unlike a normal movie, like this one really, really takes time to kind of resonate. And yeah. uh, I started to to think it over and, and realize just how good of a movie this is yeah uh so this time around just the second time that we've seen it uh i was really looking forward to watching it and man it is uh it, it is intense yeah and um yeah didn't leave me feeling empty like it did the first time uh it, it definitely uh it's a little bit inspirational i think yeah um, I, I definitely think so like it just has so much to it, yeah. I think. And uh, like, like production wise, like film wise, like it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And then story is just I feel like it's such a subtle, strong tale that it's it, that it's telling. So it like creeps up on you. You're yeah. like because it's so slow, you don't really realize what's happening until it like hits you, and then you're you're suddenly flooded with things <laughs> yeah yeah um that kind of brings us to our interpretation of the movie yes which is what we typically talk about here so i am struggling with with how to interpret this movie uh there's definitely clear motifs which we'll get to um but you know at its core it's uh kind of like a very intimate 
uh, character study, like as intimate as a character study can be. Mm -hmm. Um, But rather than focus solely on Cleo, uh, you know, the title of the movie is Roma. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not you know, titled after her or anything right. like that. Uh, so the the scope of the film uh, kind of just shows her existing in this world, um, which is extremely realistic. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, she exists in uh, Roma, in Mexico, in 1970 and 1971. Um, we learn not just about her, but about... The relationship between uh, the the wife and husband in this family, uh, these kids, uh, we learn about real things that happened in history, mm-hmm. uh, with some unexpected details like the the scene of them training the the los Alcones yeah, training, okay. um, and anyway, by the end, I feel like we're just left with this. Uh, realization that it is kind of a terrible world like it is like a tragic world to to bring a child into mm-hmm. but then at the same time like simultaneously the film itself is just so beautiful that you can't separate like the beauty from like, the, the beauty tra- from the tragedy like yeah. i don't know that's the, that's as far as i get with an interpretation <laughs> i don't really have a, a individual scene to refer to but uh yeah there'll be plenty of scenes uh, soon (laughs) yeah um and then for those of you who don't know roma uh which the movie is titled after is a specific uh area in uh the efe which is the capital of uh mexico uh where it's it's known to be like kind of the uptown where the the rich people rich people despite you know, the Roma family being uh, middle class, uh, <laughs> which we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, so my interpretation, it's definitely a story about womanhood, but I definitely think it's a story about like almost abortion rights, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, this film takes place in uh, 1970, 71. Um, and so I... I tried to do some research on it, and I highly doubt that abortions were, were legal at this time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if uh, Cleo had the... The word is not stamina. She had the gall? I feel like that's not the right word either. Mm-hmm. Like, if she had almost the guts yeah, to okay. even think about abortion, like... I think that's something that she would have wanted to do. Hmm. Like, it's almost like that thought didn't even occur to her because it almost like, I don't know. Like, I feel like because one, well, here's the thing. (laughs) Uh, Mexico is a highly, like a heavily Catholic country. Mm -hmm. And so like to even have that thought is like almost sinful. But Mm then uh, Cleo herself is probably not even catholic because she's an indigenous woman so she yeah. probably has her own other religion or deity or, uh that she follows um which i wasn't able to do much research on um but uh it just goes to show how when she was impregnated she didn't even think to 
abort the child, but she knew, she knew she did not want it. Like, I feel like she, 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 she says it very late into the film that she did not want her you, child. So you think she didn't want it right away? Yes. Hmm, okay. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I feel like being a woman, specifically being a woman in Mexico of a very lower class who is indigenous, uh, she sees the world that's going on around her and she knows that bringing a child into this world kind of is like a terrible thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or is something that she probably is just not able to do. Hmm. Like it's one thing to take care of someone else's children, but then it's another thing to like have children of your own. Okay. All right. I, I didn't. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a white male. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of movies, uh, as you know we've mentioned i'm like an english major so like uh i i really get kind of uh in, entrenched or entranced entrenched uh <laughs> in, into stories and mm -hmm. and uh you know this i i treat it just like any other story but i know that i'm, I'm missing things yeah uh that i just i literally cannot relate to so like this is a specific thing so uh, there is that scene where uh, she needs to tell uh, Sophia, Signora Sophia, mm -hmm. that she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And uh, it obviously is, like, you know, a very scary moment for, for Gleo to do. Mm -hmm. um, but my understanding didn't even go past that. I wasn't even thinking about, like, uh, oh, or she asked, like, are, are you going to fire me? Right. Because I'm pregnant. That's what I was thinking. Uh, that's what I. That's all I saw was like that surface question. Right. Like, but yeah, it didn't even occur to me that like, well, you know, she lives there with this family. Right. If she has this child, she's gonna have to raise it on in, her own. Well, in the family's house, if she continues to work there. True. Yeah. So it's like, her becoming pregnant is like burdening the family mm -hmm. in a in a sense yeah aside from her yeah because if she her. is pregnant then I, I if she thinking, do, or if she does get fired then she has nothing to help raise this child with yeah and I, I was just thinking like oh she's probably thinking like utilitarian like if she's pregnant she can't do as much work you know she right. uh, you know she does like some heavy lifting at, at times and yeah, it's so much deeper than that. I didn't even think about that until yeah. now. Um, well, I mean, going into that... Okay, so I feel like... I don't know if if this works with other cultures, but I know, like, being in the family that I am, uh, sometimes you radiate bad energy. Mm -hmm. And that almost wills things. Or, like, in your mind, it feels like you're willing things. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ryan got in a car accident and I literally felt that day that something was going to happen. Like, I felt like because I thought that that was going to happen, I radiated it off <laughs> for it to happen. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I felt somewhat guilty because it's like I had that thought in my mind and because of that, it almost willed it to happen. Mm -hmm. So I feel like 
Cleo in her own sense because her she had her thought in her mind like I do not want this child. Uh, she didn't have her child. Okay, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I I mean I think there is some sort of uh like allusion to kind of like metaphysic metaphysic <laughs> metaphysicality is that a thing metaphysicality? I think so, almost like um yeah anyway uh well we'll get into it a little bit more in depth but pepe uh twice in the movie refers to um uh previous occupations he uh, had before he died yeah before he was born before yeah, but he says, like, before I died, oh. which is very strange. Yeah. So, like, there, there's an He allude. plays with, like, reincarnation, yeah, like, as yeah. a child. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, you can just write off as, like, a child's imagination. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely think, yeah, that's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely feel like if, if abortion was something that was accessible like maybe the thought would have like come to her to like abort it before it actually became like abort the child uh before it became something that was that was something that was burning her uh and the family uh but also her herself she's so meek and silent and like the whole time um she really doesn't make any choices. Hmm. I feel like she is definitely ordered around and has other people take choices, make choices for her. Hmm. Um, so she has no like autonomy. Almost none. No. Hmm. But I think that goes into her profession. and But she got into her profession because of her personality, I feel. Uh, oh, also because, I mean, there's not much work for an indigenous woman yeah. in 1971. Hmm. Um, I did find out, though, uh, uh, abortion rights in Mexico is varies from state to state. Most of them, most abortions are illegal uh, in each state unless uh, in case of, like, uh, rape or, uh, you know, there's, like, some health issues with the hmm. mother or that, you know, the mother's life is at stake. Um, but Oaxaca, where, uh, Cleo is from, is actually, uh, the only state that actually just legally allows it up to 12 weeks, mm. aside from the EFE, which is Mexico City. That's uh, interesting. But, I mean, is yeah. that, is that modern, though? Yeah, it actually passed, I think, in 2019, so, like, literally mm. a year after the film was made. Okay. I think that's pretty interesting. I don't know if it, I don't think it's linked but I do find it kind of... Yeah. I mean, we, you know, here we typically know about things years before any legislation's passed. Right. So, I mean, potentially, but... Um, hmm. But, yeah, I mean, there's also, like, the tale of womanhood. Uh, uh, Sophie, the mom herself, uh, is abandoned by her husband, and at some point she comes home drunk, and this is after she finds out that, uh, that Cleo is... Uh, is pregnant she says as mujeres son solas or like women are always alone mm -hmm. uh, or they're always 
for themselves or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I felt like within her meltdown, taking care of Cleo was like almost a distraction, something to like help her kind of cope with okay. her dealings. But like she's also doing it out of sisterhood, you know, hmm. because it's like, my husband abandoned me. I'm not going to abandon you because this is your time of need. Like when she, uh, Cleo went to go ask her for, uh, if she was going to get fired because she was pregnant, she was like, no, like we're going to take you to the hospital. Like, I feel like that's not always the story that we get, you know, yeah. like actually like a caring family. Uh, especially, uh, with a, a hierarchy like they have. Right. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you could see it too. Uh, there was when, when, uh, they went to go buy a crib, like her and, uh, Senora Teresa, uh, they were, they went to go buy a crib and then the, the whole riot happened and there were people who were getting murdered in the furniture store. Um, and Maria, uh, Senora Teresa like went to like protect her. Like, I feel like. I don't know. That's something I've, I don't know. I feel like that's something so matronly, like hmm. to protect yeah. uh, Cleo and, uh, and then, but at the same time, I don't know, like there's also a sense of loneliness. Like Cleo has all these people as resources, but at the same time she is so lonely. Like, she has her co-worker who is her friend. Yeah. She has her, like, so, Sophia and stuff like that, who are technically her friends. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, she is so lonely and alone. Uh, like, Pepe is, like, the closest person <laughs> to her, and he's just yeah. a little kid. Um, which I feel like... <laughs> or maybe Boris. Yeah, but... <laughs> uh, which I feel like, I think, was solidified when... Uh, Senora Teresa took her to the hospital and uh, they were carrying Cleo uh, off to the yeah, emergency yeah. room or whatever and they were asking uh, Senora Teresa like what's her name and she's like you know Cleo de Guerra how old is she yeah. I don't know yeah, yeah. yeah who's her mom I don't know yeah I wrote down that uh, we, we didn't know much about their relationship right. besides there's a brief scene where uh, where Cleo and uh, what, what's her uh, the other maid's name? Uh, Adela, I think. Ad Adela. Adela. Yeah, uh, they are both finished with work. Uh, mm -hmm. They um, are like about to go to bed, and they start doing these stretches. And I think they they say like, "Oh, we need to turn off the light because uh, Senora Teresa is probably watching us right yeah. now. We're wasting electricity." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like. You know, they don't have, like, the best relationship. Right. But then in that moment where uh, they finally make it to the hospital, uh, Signora Teresa really has to, like, she has to step up. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's it's so... It's almost damning to be, like... It's so, like, I don't know. You, you just see... You just see, like, the real state of things when mm -hmm. she's asked, like, uh, what's her name? How old is she? And, and she just doesn't have an answer. Right. You know? Like, when's her birthday? I don't know. It's yeah. like, how long has she been your maid and like, you don't even know her birthday? Like, it's... And 
on one hand, here she is. She's doing the right thing. She's doing right. the best she can. But then at the same time, like, you just see how uh, separate mm. the, the two women are yeah. uh, in this moment. Yeah. It's really... It's... It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty much what I have as far as interpretation. I mean, obviously, it's an homage to... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Alfonso Coron, mm-hmm. his his maid, and the stories that he would tell her, and the memories that he had of you know his family with his maid and his mother and his father leaving, and all the things that had happened in his childhood. It, it is so personal, yet almost it's like really weird because it is shot like a memory, like. Like, you are at ground level. There's only one angle that you're watching everything from. Mm. Like, I feel like you get the whole scope of everything from, like, a human eye view, you know? Mm. All right. But yeah, we'll, we'll get out of that. Yeah. Let's, uh, so, yeah, that's interpretations, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, speaking of Alfonso Coron, uh, this is a, I, I read that it's a semi-autobiographical right. uh, film. I read that it is a fully autobiographical film, except it's not about him. Right. It's about Cleo. Yeah. And uh, anyway, um, we we watched the, what is it called? Road to Roma? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Road to- that there's a, an accompaniment uh, documentary on Netflix now um, about kind of the, the production. Yeah, it's like the making of Roma, but but much more uh, just Alfonso Cuarón answering questions about kind of what the movie it's, means yeah. to him or is, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah, and they get into some production stuff, but but it's really like. Uh, where this idea comes from yeah um yeah so you know typically we talk about just how does this fit into the director's collection of work Mm -hmm. um but we'll get into a little bit deeper stuff about this movie in particular anyway Alfonso Cuarón uh he is absolutely fantastic Mm -hmm. so this is every movie that he's done okay Uh, his first movie is called Solo con tu pareja Better have, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's that mean? Uh, only with your partner, I think. Oh, okay. With your lover, maybe? I okay. don't know. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah, and then he did uh, A Little Princess. Oh, I have not okay. seen that. He did Great Expectations. I have not seen that. But he did Ituma Tambien, mm-hmm. which uh, we were going to watch. Yeah. Uh, but we did I not. I still have not seen You guys didn't vote for it, so we didn't <laughs> watch it. Um, uh, you still have not seen it? No, I still haven't. So definitely need to watch that. Uh, Funny enough, he also did Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in 2004, which some people do think that that's the best of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, I definitely Um, know that there's a lot of discourse between Prisoner of Azkaban and uh, Goblet of Fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's the one with like Sirius Black, I think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Makes his entrance. I feel like I've seen it, but also don't remember anything about Harry yeah. Potter. I mean, should we rewatch it knowing it's Alfonso Corona? I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> uh, anyway, 
then kind of the 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 big yeah, one for one us. One of I my think, favorites. Yeah, is Children of Men. He yeah. did it in two thousand six, which yeah. just has some absolutely incredible cinematography. Yeah. Did you uh, watch it before I showed it to you? No, no. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just got this big TV <laughs> and uh, and a PlayStation Four and yeah. like a it was my first like high def TV and we watched Children of Man on it. And oh yeah, that was fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> um, and then he did Gravity in twenty thirteen. Yeah, I did not know that, uh, which kind of makes me want to watch it now because like I didn't want to watch it because I just like people in space. Interstellar, yeah. hate it. <laughs> I love, I love sci-fi movies. I love like space movies, but a movie about two people just kind of floating through space <laughs> doesn't really do it for me. So I haven't actually seen Gravity, but yeah, um, Roma is just a woman floating through Roma. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, that's his entire collection of of uh, of work mm-hmm. and. I'm pretty sure every single movie, even uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, is is high bar. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so some of the things that he talked about in that uh, documentary, um, he wanted to have uh, he he built this world, and he wanted to have. Um, uh, no influences and yeah, no references. No references is one of the things that he says, um, either to to other films or his own films yeah. or like even camera angles that he's seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we get these long, uh, like panning. slow panning yeah. shots like throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And he said that that is uh, what did he say? Th- those are objective camera movements. Like you can't. You know, it's just a slow pan. Yeah, it doesn't relate to any d- certain director. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's just a movement. Yeah, you know? there, there's no subjectivity to it. He's not saying, "Oh, we're cutting here, we're zooming in on this." Yeah, none of that. Um, um, he did also say, like, it, with that specific camera formatting, like he did not want the focus to be on just. Cleo, he wanted almost nothing to be the focus. Yeah. But everything to be the focus at the same time. Yeah. So the the point of it all, I think, uh, is where he says that he wanted to capture the invisible or, or the intangible. Uh, just capture this element between what is happening in context mm-hmm. of what is happening. Um, and I, I think he... He really did that. Yeah. It's, it's it's very effective. So the movie itself is, uh, just on the surface, it's very slow. Um, there's not a ton of action. Um, but it just, it, it builds and builds. And, yeah. and by the end of the movie, like, so much has happened. And it's so... You're exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's... Yeah, because it's so slow, you yeah. don't realize the wear that it it, mm-hmm. it takes upon you until like the movie's done and you're like, I just went through everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. You experience an earthquake, you experience a riot, you experience a fire, you experience yeah. 
childbirth. <laughs> you experience so much and you don't realize it because it's so slow and mundane and you're just almost like trenching through it. Is that yeah. the right word? Like yeah. through the mud or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're like having a dream and you're trying to fight someone and you're like fighting in slow motion like you're underwater. <laughs> you just love fighting. I do. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I feel like I really just want to get into it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- one last thing about okay. Alfonso Cuarón. So all of these fantastic movies he's done, uh, he did say that Roma feels like the first movie that he's done because this is the first movie that he's made that he he made what he set out to make I guess like encapsulates what he loves about film yeah and what film can do yeah yeah and I don't know I don't know it's watch Roma watch (laughs) Road Road to to Roma Roma. (laughs) um yeah yeah uh Okay, so let's get into some performances and aspects. Um, I'm going to start us off. Okay, go, go, uh, go. Obviously, the very first thing I want to talk about is uh, Yalitza. Okay, yes, Yes. Yalitza. So, Yalitza Aparicio. Aparicio, yeah. Yeah, so she plays uh, Cleo, and uh, she herself is an indigenous woman, Mm -hmm. and uh, this... She's not an actor. No, uh, she the, was on the road to becoming a preschool teacher, but she had already learned how to be like a grade school teacher. Yeah, so uh, she just delivers just an incredible performance. Yeah, uh, she wasn't even set to audition. Her sister was, but her sister was pregnant. So <laughs> she was like, you audition for me. And she's like, okay. Like, it's almost the same thing as Cleo. Like, she didn't make this decision on her own. Her sister <laughs> made her do it. Uh, yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. I cut you Oh, off. no, you're fine. She, anyway, uh, I, I know it's, you know, we've, we've talked about kind of how this movie is uh, about her, but not about her at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, just watching her go through these motions and uh, and emotions uh, is just it's i don't know they're they you can't have a better performance right it's so because she's never acted before and most of these actors have never acted <laughs> before it's just it's so raw and like it's so authentic authentic yeah. uh uh, Sophia had a hard time who, uh, or the woman who played Sophia Maria de Torria? Torria? Oh yeah, that's a V, not a yeah. Um, she was pretty much the only actress who was like formally trained and had been in other films. Yeah. Um, and she had a hard time keeping up with all the chaos that Alfonso ensued uh, with the set and with the other actors. Uh, who've never acted before. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Yalitza's performance is just so beautiful and graceful and so, like, raw and authentic. Uh, I hate to use that because I feel like it's so, like, cliche of a film critic. But uh, 
there's just nothing else to really describe it. It's just so, it's so subtle and simple, but it's so, it's just done so well and fresh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> uh, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but, you know, some of the, some of the scenes, the, specifically the, the, the birth scene mm-hmm. um, where she has her baby and I'm pretty sure the, the scene at the end of the movie uh, on the beach, uh, those were filmed in one take. Right. Uh, the first take too. Yeah. The first take. Yeah. Uh, so what you're seeing is as authentic as it can be. Right. Honestly, there's not, there's not multiple takes with different angles and, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, any other performances that really stood out to you? Um, performances? Uh, or just like parts of the movie the, itself? Well, I do want to talk about Fermin a little bit. Okay. But I don't know if it's a performance thing. It's more of like his character. Fermin is the, the boy or the man that she had uh, relations with. Uh, her first relations, uh, as it is told in the film. Um and when you first see him he's like kind of goofy and like he's naked uh he's like performing these uh martial arts for her in his bedroom or hotel room yeah, it's a hotel room uh and he's like almost being romantic towards her and it's 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 really sweet he is a little goofy yeah, yeah. i mean to me i wrote down for me as a weave Cause he's just like he's he's doing like these Japanese martial arts, uh, and he's I don't know you know whatever, uh, and then in the moment and when she, he they're like making out in a movie theater and she's like hey, I'm late. And he's like you can stay here a little bit longer. Let's just keep making out. And she's like no like I'm pregnant, and he's like, well that's good right. And she's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. And he's like, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Yeah. I mean, there's like a a couple of beats between there. Yeah. Uh, but then he's like, oh, yeah, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but the movie is like. Like literally a minute away from the ending. Yeah. And she's like, no, just and like. I'm like, there's... well, I can relate because sometimes I really got to pee. <laughs> Sometimes I really gotta pee. It doesn't matter if the credits are like coming up the bottom of the screen. Like I, I gotta go. Right. <laughs> um. So he goes, and he never comes back. Yeah. And dude, that's just so fucked up. But I just also love how I don't know. I I like I like I really like his character because it just it it shows like what almost like the like the not old men kind of chant reflects you know it's like yes not all men but like how do we know which not men it is yeah uh i mean not saying that he like abused her or or anything at least not when they were first he did (laughs) he did threaten her But, like, yeah, it just, 
I don't know. I think his his character was written really well. And I mean, you like, I don't know, like to me, like sucker punches me because like you, he's so goofy and I like him. And then he just turns into the worst human being on without really even much doing much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Let's see. So some of the, the aspects that I wanted to, to hit on, um, mm-hmm. and I know you have something to say about this, but I don't know what it is. Um, uh, we watched, the, the film is in black and white, um, and uh, we watched Road to Roma, and Alfonso Cuaron literally built everything that you see, and down to like super small details that you literally don't even see on yeah. film. Can't even uh, taste. Uh, most of the most of the furniture in the house uh, came from members of his family. Like uh, he's literally trying to piece together his memory mm-hmm. uh, and and build it into a set to film this movie. And there's so many, so many, you know, bright <laughs> colors and everything is is uh, everything is accounted for. And then he makes the film in black and white and he says i just couldn't see it in color right uh and i just like why go through all of that trouble (laughs) and then make the film in black and white well i feel like it's two things one i think well it's two things that interlock one um Filming in black and white, you have to have vibrant colors to distinguish the different furnitures or landscapes or whatever. Uh, So I I definitely think that that plays a part in in it. Uh, Like, I mean, the couch that you see is bright pink. Yeah. Like, yeah, I saw it. I was like, that's the couch? That looks disgusting. Well, I mean, I had no idea it was bright pink. Right. It looked like, I don't know, some ugly, like, greenish-brown furniture that my grandparents had. Right. I don't know. Uh, And so, and it also, like, if you go to Mexico, like, everything is just so bright and colorful. Uh, But I also think uh, it relates, like, he, he said he really wanted to make a film in black and white, but not make it look like... A 1970s movie. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. He, he wanted it to look like it was made in 2018 when it was mm-hmm. uh, in high definition, but in black and white. Well, I think it goes in like to like he was making it like from his memory. And it's like you can remember mm-hmm. certain things, but I think when you like look at your memory, like you only see in a certain way. Does it make sense? Like okay. from a certain angle, it might not even be the angle that you were actually even looking at yeah. as a child, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, I don't know. I feel like too, I know he didn't want to reference things, but like it made me feel of all, like of all the films that I grew up around that were like Spanish films. So a big majority of them were black and white. Uh, because like it was like the classic I can't even name any but I know there was like a guy with a sombrero with a little uh, little mustache <laughs> uh, there's this uh, one 
I don't think she's indigenous, but she's definitely like a darker toned woman who had like long ass braids and she had her like little basket and her shawl and whatever. And she was like almost like a comedic actress or something. But I mean, I don't remember these films. I just <laughs> remember them, you know, okay. them being like on all the time. And it was something that everybody was invested in or that not even invested in. It was just like on all the time. Okay. All right. Uh, so I feel like maybe like he didn't want to reference that, but that is what his memory itself is referencing. Okay. I actually just thought of something. So uh, I think I've seen like a meme on Reddit of like, um, like Mexico on TV, Mexico in real life. Uh And like everything that you see uh, in Mexico has like this filter. Right. Like this yellow filter to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't help but think of like Breaking Bad. Like it's almost like the Breaking Bad filter uh of uh every like all the all the warm colors Mm -hmm. are are much more vivid um like browns and oranges Mm -hmm. it looks dusty right uh so maybe that was part of it it's like let's just remove the filter from our Mm. understanding of what mexico looks like okay i don't know i just thought of that i mean there's also whatever Afonso said, you know, he couldn't see it any other way. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, just how his it. memory is. <laughs> couldn't see it any other way. Um, but yeah, uh, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. I mean, you know, I love the architecture that it shows because it does really a lot to my family and stuff like that. And like going to Mexico, like one of my favorite things is like seeing everyone's courtyard. Like mm-hmm. I feel like my family is not uh is not very well off but they're also like you know i feel like they do good for themselves um and they have like two-story houses that they built themselves uh with a big courtyard and uh you (laughs) my favorite thing is that you have to like walk outside to get anywhere because all the rooms are like just connected by the courtyard (laughs) like if you wanted to go to the bathroom you had to like go downstairs you know, walk outside, go into the bathroom that's on the other side of the house. Uh, which, I mean, I feel like this house, yeah, it's like the house in Toluca, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I don't know, maybe they're rich. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. Or uh, middle class, my bad. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought this family was like uber rich because uh, we've been to Mexico and I've stayed in various members of Pilar's family's house houses and uh i i thought pilar's family was like you know middle class at least um but they just live in like a very small village yeah um housing uh, is a lot different um i do think that there is renting but for the most part people like actually own all of their houses and they build well they they like own their land and then they build their houses. Yeah. Um, but this is in the FS, so I don't think that they like built their house because I mean there's so yeah. much so much limited space. Yes, we I don't even think we, we went to like the west side of the city. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, think we kinda of stayed in like the center of the city mm-hmm. and and I mean 
we were only there for like a day, I think. Yeah, like a couple hours. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it'd be cool to, to go back and see see more of the city and the architecture and stuff. Right. But, uh, being there definitely informed, um, informed my understanding of the movie. Because uh, there's, there's so many things that, that I don't think would make sense to like the average American viewer. Right. Um, but... Like, one thing, too, is, like, how they were able to walk to the movie theater. I think I really liked that because where uh, my grandmother lived in the in Mexico City, and we would walk to the convenience store because the convenience store was, like, literally the building right next to her. Was, or, like, it was the building right next to her house. So it'd be, like, this is our door, and that door right there is the convenience yeah. store. And so... <laughs> Uh, she even had, like, a pharmacy in her house because she rented the front. <laughs> like, she had, like, a little gazebo, not gazebo, a courtyard. And then uh, she had her front gate and then, like, a little, almost, like, you know, like, at Kroger, they have the little, uh, like, yeah, like the, the dispensary where one person can, mm-hmm. like, stand in. That's yeah. pretty much what she had. Uh, and she would rent it out. Nice. Uh, and I think it was a pharmacy. Uh, yeah, is I don't know. Housing is really weird, but like, you know, people live with what they got. Yeah, we we uh, we do see uh, Cleo goes goes searching for um, for me, and uh, she finds Ramon, who is oh, yeah. uh, Adela's boyfriend, uh-huh. and they uh, where Ramon is, uh, he's like rehearsing with his band. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Uh, that was a lot more familiar to me because it's just yeah, like, you know, like that rural area. Yeah, like very, very rural. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just really enjoyed the architecture, and I enjoyed seeing what Alfonso remembered from his own uh, childhood and stuff like that. Like, I I do appreciate all the hard work. Uh, and the tiling and the building. Uh, so I think he like built whole streets too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the the scene in which they're walking to the theater, um, they basically built a replica uh, of that street. So it's a real street, but mm-hmm. it's you know it's 2018 yeah, now, modernized. so like, very <laughs> modern and doesn't look like it's in 1970 at all. So. Uh, they basically built a, a scaled replica of the the streets that you see uh, Cleo walk horizontally, and then she she turns to the right and walks toward the theater, mm-hmm. um, and then the it cuts to to walk her following her down that street. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, they built that entire thing. Oh my god, that's great! Like down yeah, yeah. To, down to like the storefronts, uh, even. Behind the storefronts, there's like, it looks, you know, there's like a real clothing store that you can't, you don't even see. Like, you see it for like (laughs) half a second. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Just, just an incredible um, amount of detail of of production went went into making this movie. Um, but I feel like one of the biggest factors for me that really helped build the environment is the sound. Like, Mm -hmm. for me, 
if there's not noise going on, something is going on. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, so in a Mexican household, sound is such an ingrained feature growing up. Like, you are constantly hearing music, hearing children screaming, uh, like, <laughs> dishes going off, or chores being done. Like, there's always sound. And if there's no sound, it, it just feels like some someone's in trouble does that make sense um and i i feel like one of the my favorite sounds that were highlighted throughout this film was definitely the water in the beginning uh of the of the film and during the beach scene um the sound of the earthquake the dogs the whistles that you hear and like like the the street chatter yeah i guess uh the, the vendors, yeah, the vendors, the trash guy. Um, what, what about the, what about with the marching band? Yeah, I, I still to this day don't know where the marching band is. Um, <laughs> but I mean, when when I was in Mexico, there was no marching band coming down the street. A <laughs> well, couple of times because you were in the rural area, it yeah. might be different in the uh, <laughs> the protest, um, like the sound of birds, uh, especially yeah. at the end of the credits, the sound of planes going by. Uh, there's definitely a big thing going on with planes. Yeah. Um, planes are, are uh, running throughout the, the film. Yeah. Um, and I really don't know what, what they symbolize, to be honest. I don't really know what they symbolize either. Yeah. I mean, it just could be a symbolize of escapism, like that. Yeah. I think uh, Alfonso Coron said that sometimes know, planes are just planes. No, I think <laughs> I think he said that the the planes remind us of of a world outside. Yeah, yeah, of a world outside of this one, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it just he said, also he said something about. Um, the planes are a character. No, about like th the planes existing in this world, and they and they shouldn't like they're like steel flying through the air. Oh, okay. Huh. I don't know. Weird. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I definitely like am enamored with all the sounds that are going on, like just the crowds when she is going to find uh. Was it Paco or was it uh, Tonyo? Uh, yeah, Tonyo. Uh, she was trying to find him before he got to the movie theater, and you just hear all these things. When she gets left by Fermin at the movie theater, you just hear all the vendors being like, Check out this toy! Yeah. Buy our chicharrones! Paletas! <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just. I don't know, like, to me, it's such an endearing sound, or to have lots of sounds, it just, it, it's a comfort. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just goes to show how invisible you are, Yeah. almost, if you're not screaming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was also, uh, I love, uh, you know, this being the second time that we saw the movie, um, when the opening scene starts up and uh, there's just like the water washing over the, the tiles on the courtyard mm -hmm. um, from, you know, Cleo is like washing the courtyard. Um, uh, you know, I instantly connected that to the beach scene mm -hmm. from the end of the movie, uh, which was the, you know, basically the last scene that I had seen from the movie. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, I just love the uh, just the the basic cinematography of of you know the the water on the courtyard coming in like in waves, mm-hmm. um, and then the the soapy suds like building up, mm-hmm. just like like sea foam and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. And then you see like the the plane, uh, the reflection of the plane fly right, by. Right, right. Um, I don't know. I just love. I like. I like anything that kind of references the end of the movie at the beginning, basically. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. Honestly, nice. like the opening scene is one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen. Uh, I hate to be like that kind of person <laughs> who's like, this bag is so beautiful, <laughs> but I mean. It just is like I just I love it. I love how it looks. I it's just like one of those oddly aesthetics or oddly satisfying things that you would watch on TikTok almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, everything that we've kind of talked about can can be seen in that opening scene, right? And, and nothing happens. It's it shows like this water uh, coming down. Um, like toward the the bottom of the screen uh and then it i think it like slowly pans up and mm-hmm. you you see like kind of like the ground level view of the courtyard um and, and cleo is there um you know washing it basically uh but just how long it takes the uh the sounds that you hear and uh they provide the context for like Oh, this woman, you know, this this takes her a long time. Like, this is a big part of her day. Mm-hmm. It's like washing this courtyard. Uh, but that's never mentioned. Like, it's not, it's it's really, like, between the lines. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there's, um, there's this motif running throughout the film. Right. Um, of death mm-hmm. uh we see many many references to death um i kind of listed some of them out okay uh, roll them out all right so uh, early on in the film um cleo lays down on the ceiling mm-hmm. or on the on the roof not the ceiling <laughs> yeah, on, uh, the roof. on the roof uh with pepe uh, and he says something like uh what did he say like i i can't, I can't. talk I'm dead. I'm muerto. Yeah. I can't talk. I'm dead. Yeah. Um, and then she lays down with him and says the same thing when he tries to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she says, like, I kind of like being dead. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, Pepe says that uh, he was a pilot before he died. Mm-hmm. Um then uh, they're like eating dinner, and one of the kids—I can't remember who it is. Maybe I think it was Tonyo. Maybe Tonyo. Maybe maybe Paco. Yeah. Uh, but he mentions like a classmate was was shot and killed. Oh yeah. Is that who it was? I can't remember. I don't who think it was. it was a classmate. I think it was just some random kid who was throwing water balloons uh, at okay. cars, and he hit like a government tank or something. Yeah. And then they just shot and killed him. Um, and then there's the the earthquake. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cleo is, is um, watching the, 
I guess the, the she's looking at all the newborns. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this earthquake happens, and uh, we see uh, one uh, baby in an incubator mm-hmm. uh, with like all this rubble on the top of the incubator. Yeah. And like it's not clear if the baby is dead or alive, yeah, but it's clear it, it's also you know it's dead. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it looks pretty dead. Um, so that that's a little like foreshadowing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then they go to the like the lodge place, and yeah. there's there's all these uh, all of the the previous uh, deceased dogs that were pets. Yeah. Um, their heads have been severed and taxidermied. Yeah, like taxidermied and mounted on the wall, mm-hmm. and it's very strange. Like, like she's looking at all of them, and uh, and then like one of the living dogs like like licks her hand or something, mm-hmm. and there's just this like you're you're surrounded with all this death, and yeah. then oh here is a here is a, a living uh, being that yeah. looks just like these dead beings on right. the wall. Um, so the, there's that strange juxtaposition, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like a Christmas festivity at the lodge place. Mm-hmm. She's led downstairs to to kind of uh, uh, celebrate with like the the staff or like the servants or whatever at this lodge, mm-hmm. and um, they are. Uh, toasting to her to her baby mm-hmm. and uh, she gets bumped and like spills the the toast yeah um the you know her her cup like falls out of her hand and, and crashes into the ground and yeah she like is seen to be uncomfortable but yeah. like really distraught by that and her friend is like no no i'll just get you a new glass and she's like it don't work like that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's even uh kind of a subtle uh, reference when she goes to look for uh, Fermin, mm-hmm. um, she gets off the bus, mm-hmm. and where she gets off the bus, like the bus kind of pulls up, and she gets off like like if you're looking at it, the bus is like here, and she gets off on this side and walks this way, mm-hmm. but across the street, uh, there's a big sign for uh, Funerales Diaz, and it's like a casket place, mm-hmm. like like. A casket store like out in yeah. the open i don't know um, um, i will say one time when i went to mexico there was a store that had that sold uh donuts tires and caskets <laughs> all in the same place man. okay i, I don't <laughs> really know how to connect to those things i just made me think of that anyway so she is surrounded by death throughout the movie it comes as no surprise when um, you know, she finally has a, a stillborn child. That scene is just so heavy. I don't know if you want to talk about that scene specifically. So we talked about how that was like an like a very authentic performance, and that's because uh, Yalitza herself didn't know that her like her character's baby was going to be born a stillborn. Uh, she was under the impression that they had a live baby under. Um, you know, wherever they were delivering the baby and that she would be holding it and, like, having this moment with this baby. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, I think 
uh, it was really heavy to watch and it I mean I would assume that it was very heavy to perform the doctors themselves who were real doctors who acted in this film um, said that they once they were in the scene they felt like really emotional because it felt like an actual performance that they go through daily and that it just no matter how many times they go through it it, it still impacts them yeah Alfonso Coron said that they like the the nurses and doctors kind of forgot that they were acting right. over the course of the scene um, um, yeah I, I was kind of struck by uh, like how quickly everything happens mm-hmm. in that scene mm-hmm. and it's so like it's so like impersonal almost. right um, he's like your baby is dead do you want to hold it all right, give it back. We have to get it ready. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you gotta be like that, I guess. I mean, it's it's so it's such a rough scene to watch. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of all that we're gonna touch on for the movie. Yeah. Um, like like Parasite, there's just a million tiny things that we can pick up on. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We yeah. Need to move so, on. So yeah. Let's move on. What is your final grade for this film? Um, so my final grade for this film, going through it, through and through, it is pretty much a 10 out of 10 for me. Okay. I think the sound is just so excellent. The cinematography, the characters just feel so grounded and real. Um, the pace, some may say, is too slow, but I think if you ever visit... Mexico like visit an actual family like it is slow pace like there's almost sometimes like nothing you can do to speed up time there almost yeah that's that's one of the things that I uh, kind of experience just visiting it yeah um originality I mean you can't get more original than your own like memory <laughs> and you know things that happen to you I feel like because that's something realistic uh which I mean the setting, you know, I feel like I felt like I was there. And I don't know, just I enjoyed it so much. Like it's so, it's just a heartfelt movie. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I also give this film a perfect 10 because it, um, y- y- there's nothing you can you can knock it on right it's really hard i mean i felt like parasite is so good and i feel like you know it it everything surrounding it just elevates it but it just has this giant plot hole which i mean it i mean it's a story with a plot hole right yeah versus this it's like it's almost hard to like be like oh there's a a plot hole in your memory like <laughs> it's really hard to knock it down for anything like i can't like the only thing i would probably knock it down was like the weird scene with that guy singing during the fire like that was kind of weird but i mean also he was drunk so that was a little weird oh there was that weird so we get two clips of two different movies that they watch mm-hmm. uh one uh is like some weird like comedy uh having to do with like airplanes uh and then another one is marooned yeah it's called marooned Uh and it's just 
these two people floating in space. Oh, yeah, and then and, he, like, did gravity. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, like, an homage to gravity <laughs> in a film that you didn't want to have any references right. on. Right. I don't, I don't know what the point of that that. I think in is. some it's, ways it was, like, a time setter. It's very, very brief. Yeah. And, like, you have all of these long, drawn-out scenes, and then you have this little clip of a movie that doesn't really fit in with the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, like you can't fault it for that. I yeah, feel like. yeah. It's too small. <laughs> yeah, strange little scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess we both have it at 10 out of 10. Yeah. That's... I think this marks the first, uh, first perfect 10. Yeah, that we at least reviewed. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what's your one favorite thing about watching this movie? Okay, so one, I have two. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, my first one is Yelita's smile is just so freaking cute. She's such a precious <laughs> being. Like, whenever she smiles, like, she has a little round moon face, and it's just, like, it warms my heart. But two, there's a little scene uh, which also attributes to, like, one of the death motifs is when she is sitting outside of the cinema like looking for Fermin um Mm -hmm. she like sits on the stairs and then there's this little vendor guy who's like look at bones it's like this little tiny bones toy and he's like no strings attached look at him dance and he's like boom bones is dead uh so I feel like that relates to like Fermin no strings attached and then boom boom bones is dead you know this little bean is dead yeah um I mean, I don't know how this thing works. Like, even behind the scenes, I still don't even know how it works. I really want one. It's a mystery. Uh, yeah. So, that guy would have gotten me. Like, he, I would have told him I only have 15 pesos left. He's like, well, give it to me. <laughs> uh, but what about you? Uh, my one favorite thing is probably uh, probably the Professor Zov- Zovek. Okay. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, there's the scene where... Uh, the uh, Fermin and this this group of guys are kind of training to become the uh, Los Alcones. Los yes, uh, and uh, they are visited by Professor Zovek, mm-hmm. I think is his name, who is played by the Latin lover. Yeah, he's like a, a Mexican wrestler, uh-huh, I guess, I think in so. real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's kind of like this, uh, what do you call him? Like a, like a guru? Almost? Yeah, yeah. He's like a, he's a guru of like this strange yeah. martial art thing that yeah. they're doing. Um, Can't remember what martial art it was. Yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, um, he very dramatically uh, has somebody come up and blindfold him. Uh, and then he just like like stands like this with his foot, like one leg, um, like a pelican, not a pelican, a flamingo. Yeah, like a flamingo almost. Yeah. Um, and all of these guys are just watching him, like, like looking around, like this is this is the guy. This is it. This is what this guy's doing. And he he says something like, "What did you expect me to levitate or something? Uh, this is uh, not as easy as it looks." Um, and you see all of all of the guys kind of struggle to do it, and then of course uh, Cleo can she is is looking on um, along with the other women uh, that are there, and 
she just has no problem uh, holding her balance like this, pregnant and all. Uh, I don't know. I like that scene. Huh, okay. That's probably that, I would also part. feel like that's kind of like a scene that's kind of weird and like out of place almost. Yeah, I feel like that scene itself, on their own, you can kind of take things to to symbolize things. Yeah. If you read into it a certain way, but but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> needs needs. I, I need to think about it more. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, that pretty much does it uh, for this podcast on Roma. So. Um, what we typically do is uh, offer you at this point in time three, three. choices for our next film. Uh, however, we're going to change it up this time. So, um, what we're going to do every five movies, this is our fifth episode, mm-hmm. uh, every five movies, we're going to draw uh, from a source. Um, uh, this particular source is um, a sombrero that i got in mexico um, <laughs> to protect poor ryan's skin because yeah, i couldn't find sunscreen, sunscreen anywhere sunscreen does not exist in mexico so i got the biggest sombrero i can find uh anyway so we're gonna draw from 10 choices that we chose um uh for to do our next podcast on um and after such a heavy film as roma we've Kind of decided to go for more uh, like lighthearded comedy esque yeah, com- movies. Comedies, they're they're all comedies. So uh, yeah, here let me give it a little shake. <laughs> you want to choose one? Okay. I- I'll put the entire list of the choices up here. It is Little Hours. The Little Hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the last one that I put in here. Nice. Nice. Okay. Cool. Um, excellent. Yeah, if you've never seen it, um, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix right now. Um, if it's not, I mean, just go watch it. It's, it's pretty funny. It's a yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, go watch it. It's, it's got good. Abby Plaza, Dave Franco, uh, John um, C. Riley, R.C. Riley. Anyways, yeah, just go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and as always, uh, thank you so much for watching. Um, subscribe to our channel share us with your friends don't forget to like the videos oh yeah like and comment uh anything that you disagree on or like if you just want to say your own opinion on the film uh we love to hear about that kind of stuff um but yeah uh follow us on instagram there will be podcasts on twitter if we're still doing that find from a basket (laughs) uh and yeah uh, and then we also kind of want to do a submission too. Uh, we want you guys to send us the movies that you guys are really interested in uh, having us watch and critique. Um, so we'll do that sometime in the next after this the next podcast. Yeah. So the next episode uh, on the little hours, uh, we will again draw, uh, but this time we'll draw from the uh, choices that you guys kind of write in and give us. Yeah. Uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah. All right. Uh, no parting words this time. It's just... It's not. It doesn't fit. It don't fit. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. And we love you. And have a good night. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>